0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the question and answer podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, study, talk to my friends about them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. This is a new season, a brand new season. We took a break. Uh, I was gone for a minute and now I am back. I'm back and I'm excited to be back. And this season will be different because throughout the season, it won't just be me responding to your questions, but it'll also be me and some of my friends as well. I've took the time to put your questions together and um, to some pretty general questions because a lot of the questions I was getting, they were kind of similar. And so I, I took a lot of questions that had similar themes and put them into like generic questions that I think we'll be better able to respond to in a more objective sense. Uh, so keep sending your questions in. Ask Father Josh at SitcherPress.com. Keep sending us your questions. And then where we find that they might be similar, we're just going to put them together so that we can uh, respond uh, more quickly to more of you uh, and help you to become saints in your walk toward eternity. Because we are. All different, and we have different ways of responding to to similar similar problems, similar things happening in our world, in our society, in our church. The friends that I invite on the show, I want to invite friends who have different perspectives, who are still very Catholic, who are still in line with the church, but because of their personalities, because of their life experience, because of their ministry experience, they might have a different approach. And so, we're going to come to the show and come to your questions with different approaches to this to the questions. That way, you can have options on how you can grow in discipleship and mature in your relationship with God and the church that He founded two thousand years ago. I'm going to be drinking a lot of coffee during this season, so I'm recording a lot of episodes in just a couple of days. So there's going to be some coffee being consumed by me, which means that as the show goes on, you're going to hear me get a little bit more and more and more excited throughout the the series. We're coming in hot, though. We're coming in strong today, coming in hot, 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 like a fajita. We're coming in hot, and uh, today's question that I will be responding to by myself uh, will be a question about dating. I've been getting a lot of dating questions. And so I'm going to come in hot. I've been praying with your questions. I've had a lot of time to pray with your questions. And so hopefully uh, the response that you get will be something that you can sit with and pray with and ponder, and then hopefully uh, apply to your life where it is applicable. But before we get into this topic of dating, I want to share with you a glory story. So, my glory story is this the Eucharist is everything, right? Uh, I just I, I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to go and spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. I was praying recently, and while I was praying, I was praying with uh, the scriptures, preparing for a homily a number of weeks ago about the Canaanite woman. And as I was praying, I just perceived some insights that I thought were from the Lord. And so I immediately like wrote them down. I called Dr. Brant Petrie. Dr. Brant Petrie is one of the greatest scripture scholars of our generation. Uh, He's written many books on Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist, Jesus and the Jewish roots of Mary, and a number of other really great works. But I share with him my insight. And uh, yeah, he was like, Father Josh, like that sounds like it's of the Lord. So I'll I'll share it with you. Uh, You might find it helpful, particularly in your reading of sacred scripture. So a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a month or so ago, we we had the reading about the Canaanite woman. And oftentimes we read that story like, man, it seems like Jesus was being kind of harsh with this woman. Uh, But we have to understand the context Canaanite people according to the Old Testament Book of Wisdom chapter 12 Canaanite people were they weren't just pagans they were pagans who were sorcerers sorcery is condemned in sacred scripture they were pagans who were sorcerers who offered up their own children at times for sacrifice to demons to Satan they they persecuted Jews they so they they weren't the most friendly people And they also were involved in some pretty demonic stuff. So imagine being one of the 12 apostles, a Jew, an Israelite, and this pagan approaches, who is a pagan who hates Israelites. And it's a pagan who hates Israelites, who's also involved in sorcery, witchcraft, demonic worship. Do you think that they were comfortable around her? No, they probably thought, what if she's here to put a spell on us? What if if she's here to conjure up demons, to conjure up spirits? Like, we don't know what she wants, send her away. But Jesus did not send her away. He wanted her to have a conversion, right? So she wants her her child to be healed. But when she comes before him, uh, at first, he doesn't respond to her, right? Now, we might say, well, why is Jesus being so rude to her? Remember, Jesus Christ is God. He's the son of God. He's a divine person. He knows everything. He knows what each person needs. As an uncle, I have nieces and nephews, and I I know with each one how I ought to speak to them, right? If I'm going to correct them, there are some who are more sensitive than others, and if I'm too aggressive with them in my approach, they're just gonna cry and run away. But if I'm too gentle with them, they're gonna laugh and walk away. So each child I now know how to, how to communicate with. Jesus is God. He knows how to communicate with each one of his people. Some people he's super gentle with, he's super tender with. Other people he's more aggressive with because he knows what they need. She's a Canaanite woman. She may have offered other children as sacrifices to Satan. Maybe she's pretty tough. If he's super gentle with her, is she going to have the conversion she needs? So she wants her her child to be healed. Now, what's wrong? Her child is possessed. Why do you think her child is possessed? What might she be doing that could be opening up the door for her child to be possessed? Well, she's involved in sorcery. She's involved in satanic worship. She's offering up her babies to demons. And then somebody gets possessed. You wonder why they're possessed It's because of her lifestyle It's because of what she's doing. She's the reason why her child's probably possessed. And so when she wants Jesus Christ to heal her child, he's thinking, why would I heal your child, liberate your child from demons when your child is going to go right back to home with you and you're going to end up doing something foolish and demonic and you're going to open up seven more demons into your child's life. No, I'm not going to heal your child right now because it would be immature. It would be inappropriate. It would not be okay to make your child go through that kind of suffering of being possessed and then being freed and being possessed. So he waits for her to have a conversion first. And notice the conversion that she goes through. She first goes to calling him son of David, but then she she does him homage, which means she falls to her knees, right? calls him Lord. She goes from seeing him as somebody special to seeing him as God. And once she goes through her transformation, then... He liberates her child. Oftentimes in deliverance ministry, if somebody is oppressed or possessed, what some exorcists will do is they will literally, they will invite the person and their entire household to a prayer prescription. The person and their entire household will be invited to avoid television, avoid secular music, to fast throughout the week, to go to mass every Sunday, to go to confession throughout the week, to pray the rosary, to read scripture, to listen to Gregorian chant. And only after the person, their whole family did it. And the reason why the family does it is because if the family's watching TV, then the person can't avoid TV. If the family's listening to secular music, then the person can't avoid it. So the whole family has to suffer with their loved one for a season. But the process then allows the family to go through a deeper conversion with the person. And so then when the person is liberated from the demons, the person comes home to a family that's a lot more holy. It's a safe place. It's a safe environment for the person to continue to experience ongoing renewal and reformation and restoration to Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus did with this, this this woman is he waited for her to have a conversion. And yes, he, he was tough with her because he knew he had to be tough with her because of her background. And once she had the conversion, he liberated her child. So now her child can go to a place that's safe, a place that's not going to be unhealthy, a place that's not going to uh, invite Satan in. And so, yeah, it was just the Lord kind of revealed these insights to me as to as to why the Lord was the way he was uh, with this woman. And uh Hopefully that was helpful for you. Hopefully you might find something there to like, be like, oh wow, I, I see something in my life too. Because, because honestly, I, I think this, I'm gonna this rant and we're gonna get to the show on dating. But to be honest with you, I think we do our, our kids and we do our loved ones a disservice whenever we send them to Catholic schools, even though Sacred Heart of Jesus Catholic School in the Diocese of Baton Rouge is the best Catholic school, and it's amazing. It's really great. Uh, again, we have the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. You know, we have Adoration throughout the week and Mass throughout the week, uh, and our kids are just super innocent and holy, and it's good, and ah oh, so good. But we do our kids a disservice when we send them to a Catholic school, but we raise them in a pagan home. We send our kids to a Catholic school a few days a week, but then we raise them in a Canaanite home where we allow things to be watched on television and listened to on the radio or on podcasts or or on their cell phones where we're inundating them with this trash and then we expect them to be little disciples. What what, what do we want? So we we got to to be disciples, uh, not just for an hour at mass on Sunday or expect our kids to be disciples when they're at school during the week, but we need to cultivate a, a domestic church in our home of discipleship, of, of, of love of God and love of neighbor. So yeah, that's my rant. With that being said, let's go ahead and hop into today's question about dating. All right. So dating. So we got a number of questions about dating. What's the point of dating? How how are we dating wrong? What's wrong with dating? What are some healthy and uh, helpful outlooks on dating? What are unhealthy and unhelpful outlooks on dating? And so I took these questions, compiled them together, began to pray with them. And the fruit of my prayer was an acronym, PRAISE, P-R-A-I-S-E. And I think this acronym can be helpful for us in our approach to dating. Uh, and again, I want to also reverence that everybody's in a different place. Some people are just getting out of an unhealthy relationship. Some people may have never been in a relationship. And so I think it's always important to like just acknowledge in this current season of my life, where am I? Remember whenever Adam and Eve were in the garden, God said, where are you? So like, just where are you today? Like acknowledge where you're at today and, and don't have any, uh, don't feel like you need to be in, in a certain place that you're not in right now. Just be where you're at with the Lord, with the Lord. But as I was praying with these dating questions, how can we date better? First, and before I also get to this, I wanna acknowledge my good friend, Dr. Mario Sakasa. Um, he has an awesome program called Dating Well. It's a really great program. Uh, it's a series that you can watch with your boyfriend or girlfriend or with your friends or by yourself. Um, really, really good series. And so he is like an expert on dating. And so just check that out if you wanna grow in, uh, yeah. Just a better understanding of dating. But what I perceived in prayer, and again, my prayer is not infallible, so you are free to disagree with what I'm about to share with you, but what I perceived in prayer as a response to the many questions that we've gotten about dating is praise, P-R-A-I-S-E. P, when it comes to dating, prayer matters, right? So before we even get to the people who are creating the image of God, what is our relationship with God? I'm not saying that we need to be in the the a certain stage of the castle, the interior castle, or this place in the mountain in the spiritual life. But we all have to have a basic foundation of a relationship with God. I'm not saying everyone should be praying holy hours. I don't think everybody needs to to be little monks and little nuns or a little priests. But like we are call, called to pray though. Like I'm not the only one who's supposed to pray. Yes, I made a promise to pray whenever I was ordained. However, Jesus says in the gospel, when you pray, when you fast, when you give alms, which means he's not saying if you pray, if you fast, if you give alms, which means he expects his followers, he expects his disciples to be men and women of prayer. So we are invited to pray and we're not supposed to wait till we're older to pray. Well, I'm going to wait till I'm, I'm older and out of school or out of college to like really begin to develop a relationship with God. Because Mary, when she appeared in Fatima, she invited the kids to pray. The Fatima kids were little kids. They weren't even teenagers, and she invited them to a rule of life, to spirituality, to relationship with Jesus Christ, through meditation on the life of Jesus Christ, uh, through the rosary. So the very first thing that we should address before I begin seeking out a relationship with a person, it's do I have a relationship with the Lord? Because let me be very clear with you, as good as people are, And I have really, really good friends in my life. I have really good parishioners in my church. I have really good students in my school. And I have really great neighbors in my community. As good as they all are, they are not God. They are finite beings. And my heart, your heart, our hearts were created with an infinite longing. And no finite person, no matter how good they are, no matter how attractive they are, no matter how virtuous they are, no matter how prayerful they are, no finite person can ever quench the thirst that is in our hearts. They can never satiate that ache. Only God can. And so the second we begin to put people in a place that belongs to God, we will experience drama in all of our relationships. So is God in the proper place in our hearts? Do we pray? Because prayer matters. So what does prayer look like for you? You figure that out, you and God. But it's a relationship between you and God and it needs to be a daily relationship, a daily bread. Not a weekly relationship, a daily bread. And remember prayer with scripture Ought to be the priority, we ought to prioritize scripture. Scripture will help us to pray the rosary better, scripture will help us to spend time in, with Christ in adoration better, scripture will help us to examine our conscience better. Scripture must be prioritized, even if it's difficult for you. Listen and follow my instrument Bible in a year, right? Let him help you. But we got to pray with the word of God. With that, if we don't pray with scripture, we would not know Jesus. Ignorance of scripture, as St. Jerome says, is ignorance of Christ. We won't know his voice. Prayer is a dialogue, not a, not a monologue. God wants to talk to us. He wants to, to talk. He, he always says, can we talk for a minute in the scripture? Can we talk for a minute in scripture or 15 minutes or 30 minutes? So number one, prayer matters. If you want to date somebody, first, before you even begin to approach gifts of God, creatures of God, We need to look at the gift giver, the God of creation, Jesus Christ. Prayer, P. Number two, reality matters. This is praise, reality. Reality matters. Dating happens with real people. We we cannot date people in our imagination. We might have ideas. Like when we're little kids, we think about what it's like to be married. We have these ideas of what being in a relationship would be like. Now we're at the age where we can be in a relationship with somebody. So get to know a person. Right? If you like somebody, tell them you like them. And this goes out to girls and guys too. Like Women often say, well, I want him to pursue me. And that's great. A guy can pursue you, but you can't expect the guy to read your mind and know that you don't want to just be friends. Because sometimes we put you in a friend zone because you never say that you want us to pursue you. And once you acknowledge, hey, I'm open to being pursued, well, then the guy has permission to, oh, well okay, cool. I I never got that vibe from you. That's why I wasn't pursuing you in the first place. So dating happens in reality. So don't stay in your mind. Don't even focus too much on what you see on the screen. If you're on a dating app or dating website, that's not the real person, right? That's a screenshot of them. Get to know the person, which means you have to actually spend time with them. I can't discern the priesthood outside of seminary if I'm called to be a diocesan priest. I tell guys that all the time. They're like, I'm discerning the priesthood. What seminary are you in? Well, I'm not in seminary. Well, you're not discerning. You discern in the context of a relationship with formation advisors at the seminary. If the young woman said, I'm discerning religious life, with what community? Well, I've been looking online. You're not discerning. You're thinking right now. You discern once you meet the religious community and you begin to have a relationship with their vocation director and their formators. That's whenever you discern. We discern in the context of real people with real situations. So, like text the person, call the person, email the person, DM the person, get to know the person in reality, right? Uh, that way you can know who they really are and they can see who you really are and, and you can find out. And when you go on dates with people, don't always make it so extravagant. There are some people who, who they don't live in a reality what real relationships are like. Every time they date, because it might be long distance, it's always extravagant. Okay, well, you know what? Extravagant dates are cool every now and then, but that's not reality. If you are to marry that person and begin a family life with that person, I guarantee you, you will not be going on extravagant dates all the time. Be bored together and figure out what do I experience when I'm bored with this person? So date the person in reality. Don't stay in your mind. Don't stay in your head. Don't stay on the screen. Get face to face with the real person. Prayer matters, but so does reality. The next thing that matters is attraction, A, P-R-A, A is attraction. Attraction matters, right? Don't feel bad about who you're attracted to or not attracted to. I am attracted to some ministries and I'm not attracted to other ministries. That doesn't mean that I think those ministries are bad. That just means I don't feel called to them. I don't desire to do them. I don't get enjoyment out of them. They're not my thing, but I I respect them. I think they're necessary ministries in the church and I'm glad other people do them. But just because I'm not personally attracted to it doesn't mean that I should be ashamed of that or feel bad about that. Uh, And likewise, you shouldn't feel bad about who you're attracted to and who you're not attracted to. What I will say is this though, with ministries, even those that I'm not initially attracted to, I'm still open to them, to like participating with them for a season to figure out if that attraction can grow within my heart. And so the same has happened for many people that I know um, who are now married. Maybe at one point, the physical attraction wasn't great, but they were being pursued by somebody who was a good person or they pursued somebody who was a good person and they went on a couple of dates to figure out like, can my attraction grow? Will, will their personality be able to make up for what's lacking in their physical appearance that I'm just not really drawn to? Again, you don't have to feel bad about who you're not attracted to physically, right? But maybe their spirituality, maybe their growth in virtue, maybe their personality, maybe their life experiences might change your heart and that attraction can begin to grow to a level where you're like, you know what? I'm still not like super attractive, but I, but I do really like this person and I want to see what's there, right? So allow the attraction to grow over time. But if it's not growing over time. Feel free to cut it off. Like, Don't waste that person's time or your time. It's okay to walk away and say, I just, I want to be friends with you. You are free. Whenever we discern anything, freedom is the operative word here. The same thing applies for me and seminarians. Whenever I accept a guy in a seminary formation, we're discerning now. Now we're in seminary discerning whether or not we think he's a good fit for the Diocese of Baton Rouge or not. And so it's an ongoing relationship. It's not a one and done thing. P-R-A-I. I and praise is intention matters. If I'm dating in this season of my life, or if I want to date, what's my intention? Do I have a purity of heart? The Beatitudes, Jesus Christ uh, preached on, "Blessed are the pure of heart." Really, it can be translated as, "Blessed are those who have pure intentions." What's my intention for wanting to date right now? Is it fear? Am I allowing fear to dictate my discernment? Like, am I afraid that I, I want to get married, and so I need, I need to like just go date like? really hard right now, whatever. Why am I on apps? Am I on apps because I I want attention from people because I don't pray and I'm not getting that from God. So I figure I'll settle for attention and likes from people and whatnot. Um, Is it just a stroke my own own head? Uh, Why am I going on dates? What's my intention? Is it because I feel like I have a gift to share with somebody and I think i will be a good husband and father one day or a wife and a mother? I'd be a good spouse to somebody. Is that why I'm dating? Or is it because I just... I want to be liked. I want to be appreciated. I want to be noticed. I want to be affirmed. I want to be seen. Like, what is the real intention as to why I am seeking out dating right now? Um, Am I in a place where I feel like I can be a bridge for people to come to Jesus? Or am I in a place where I think I'll be a barrier? Remember, Jesus, he allowed the Father's love to dictate all of his discernment. The Father said, I love you in the baptism. Uh, in the Jordan. He said, I delight in you. I'm pleased with you. And he said it again on the top of Mount Tabor. And I'm sure he said it again every time Jesus Christ went away to pray. For Jesus, it was the love of God that dictated his discernment. what is dictating our, our heart right now, our actions? Is it God's love or is it something else? So intention matters. Examine your heart for intentions. Next letter is S, praise, share, share. Share with the person in the beginning. Don't share too much, right? Share chicken nuggets, but keep your barbecue sauce, because you don't want to share too much because the person hasn't earned your trust. But as you begin to date, it's important to share more. That way, you give the person freedom to know who they are in relationship with. Before we get too emotionally connected, before we become blind with our emotions, it's good to be real and objective. Like, hey, like uh, I need to know: Do you have a porn addiction? I need to know, do you have an STD? Like, what's your sexual history? I, I need to know certain things about you and your faith and your, your your ideas on politics. Like, share that stuff on a deeper level. That way you give the person freedom to discern, do they want to be in a relationship with you before the emotions get too strong in the relationship. And then share them with your family and friends. Let them meet your parents. Let them meet your siblings. Let them meet your friends. And you need to meet theirs. Um, because sometimes whenever we get relationships, we become very blind to a lot, a lot of really serious problems in the, in the relationship and our loved ones can help us to see what we don't see. So share them with your family and friends. And then finally E is examine after you've been on a few dates with the person examine like, did they draw me closer to Jesus or were they a bridge? I mean, are they, sorry, were they a bridge to Jesus or were they a barrier? Were they patient? Were they kind? As for Corinthians talks about, uh, or did they have anger issues? Did they uh, respect my boundaries or did they try to try to uh, sleep with me? Um, do they drink too much? Like that? Do, do, do I notice some issues early on that need to be addressed? How they How do they treat the the waiter at the restaurant? Right, right. There, there's different things that we need to begin to examine. Do, do am I still attracted to the person now that I know their personality? Do I like them still, or are they just narcissists who talk about themselves all the time and who gaslight me? Right. Examine. Begin. Like take it serious and take time to examine with God. And that goes back to the first P prayer as we are now experiencing this person in reality, share our thoughts and our feelings and our desires with God about our experience with the person and then make a decision. Do I do I wanna keep dating this person and see where it's gonna go? Or do I need to just put, it, put the brakes on because they don't respect me. They don't respect my boundaries. They're not gonna help me become a saint. and I don't think I have the capacity to help them become saints either. So those are my ideas that I think Uh, address a number of the questions I received about prayer. Praise, P-R-A-I-S-E. Prayer matters. Reality matters. Attraction matters. Intention matters. Sharing matters. um, And examining matters as well. Uh, With that being said, we're going to take a break and when we come into our final portion of the show, I'm going to invite you to get to know a saint who, uh, who did date for a while. All right, stay tuned.
1: Is it possible for you to live a life of greatness that is more than just confusing relationships, endless scrolling, and unfulfilling friendships? I'm Sarah Swafford, author of Emotional Virtue.
0: And I'm Andrew Swafford, professor at Benedictine College and co author of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament and editor of the Great Adventure Catholic Bible.
1: And we wrote a book with Ascension called Gift and Grit how heroic virtue can change your life and relationships.
0: Gift and Grit shows you how to foster authentic relationships and answer life's deepest questions, especially in our walk with the Lord.
1: Gift and Grit is like grabbing a cup of coffee with us and hearing our experience from working with young adults and college students for over 15 years. We chat about everything from fostering good and faithful friendships with both men and women,
0: pursuing holy romantic relationships,
1: achieving the greatness that every person desires,
0: and so much more. We want you to live a life that's full of meaning and purpose, which is exactly why we wrote Gift & Grit.
1: You can order your copy of Gift & Grit at ascensionpress.com slash giftandgrit.
0: Welcome back. Uh, don't forget, if you're a first-time listener, you can rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other iTunes podcasts formats that are out there. You can also share us on your social media pages. This helps other people find out about the show. Please share it uh, so more people can encounter the show. If it's been good for you, it might be good for them too. So the saint I want to share with you is actually not a I saint yet, but she's really cool. Her name was Barb, and I'm going to get that last name wrong, Akari or Aseri. She was a wife and a mother, and get this, a mystic. Uh, and she served a lot of people out of her home. In her home, people came and they met and they prayed and they fasted and they collaborated. People came like Teresa of Avila. People came like Francis de Sales. People came and they worked with her and they trusted her and they allowed her to use her, her gifts uh, to even accept people into religious life, to help them to discern who should be in our communities and who should not be. It's been said that she herself, by the grace of God, was responsible for over 10,000 conversions. So I think sometimes we have this idea in our head that if I'm going to be a saint, I have to become a priest or a nun. She was a lay woman. She was a wife. She was a mother. Um, and she was called to the heights of holiness as a mystic. Um, and she was used by God to draw thousands of people into the sacramental life of the church and into radical discipleship. And so uh, I'm just gonna call her Barb. Barb, we invite you to pray for us. Now, Barb, I'm also gonna ask you right now for your intercession for uh, a special need I have. And I wanna invite you, our listeners, to this to this intention as well. Uh, one of my parishioners, Julia Dykes, is in need of a healing. And I believe in healing. I've experienced miracles in my life. Uh, even in Medjugorje, we we experienced a bunch of physical healings, you saw the Sundance, the roses turn gold, all this stuff. So I know it's real. I've experienced it on more than enough occasions. Now, Julia needs, uh, we're praying for healing for her. She has cancer right now. And so I'm going to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. And then we're going to ask Barb um, to pray for us. Um, In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in your name and through your power, we ask that you heal Julia of her cancer. In the name of Jesus, Julia, be healed. In the name of Jesus, Julia, be healed of your cancer. In the name of Jesus, Julia, be healed. We ask this prayer, Father God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, with the intercession of Barb. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, y'all, it's been so good to be with you. I'm so happy to be back. Stay tuned throughout the season. You're going to get to hear from different friends of mine um, as we address your questions and pray for you and, and serve you so that you can become a saint, and so can we. God bless.